You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Encourage you uh, as a church, as one of the churches that organises it, we commit to 150 volunteers. Uh, so we sign you guys up. You can thank us. And, uh, uh, but then we just need you guys to sign up. So, um, 150 volunteers, and we're, we're the ushers, we're the team that host everybody and help everybody get in, and we do this big smiley welcoming faces and all that stuff, and so it's a great thing to be part of. I want to encourage you, if you want to sign up to, to be um, part of the Dream Team for that event, uh, just complete one of the Connect cards and pop it in the Connect box, and we get buses, so we all bus in together. It's like, we just have a lot of fun, so uh, very cool thing to be part of. So make sure you get that in your diary. Hey, I want to say a big welcome to online watching today. Hello, everybody. It's great to have you. We've probably got lots of people on holiday watching from anywhere around New Zealand and all across the world. Uh, We're so excited uh, this morning. I'm really excited about this message that I'm going to bring to you uh, today. I really feel like it's something God's put on my heart for us as we move from one year into the next, the last service of 2020. And what a year it has been, right? And uh, most of you are probably Probably like, see you later, 2020. I'm out. Can we shorten it? Can we shorten it by a few days? I'm not sure we can do that. Um, so I'm really excited about this message. I know it's going to um, bless you, and I hope it challenges you as well. Let's pray, and then we'll get into it. God, we thank you so much, God, uh, for the privilege that it is to sit here under your word, under your worship, and um, just be able to be um, part of this place, Lord. And pray that as we just turn to your word now, Lord, would you allow it to speak to us? God, would you help us to see the things you want us to see, Lord? And Lord, I pray that you would empty me of who I am and fill me up with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that whatever I share today comes straight from your heart to the heart of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I recently learned that uh, there's a bunch of different basic emotional needs that every human has, only there are certain needs that you might have that are higher than someone else's, and it's just all to do with your makeup, your DNA, your personality, how God has wired you. But there are two of those needs that sound really contradictory, and yet you can have them all at the same time. One of the needs is the need for security, and the other need is the need for insecurity or spontaneity. So insecurity is for all the planners in the world. It's for all the people who really like to know how things are going to happen. They need to feel safe and secure. They need to know who, what, when, where, and how. Any planners out there, any security people out there, you're saying, yep, amen, amen to that. Uh, And then there are those where they're actually, one of the needs they have in their life is actually to feel insecure. (laughs) I mean, not, yeah, insecure, to to feel like there's some spontaneity, some excitement, some adventure, something they don't know is coming on the horizon. It's exciting to them. Any spontaneity people out there? Oh, I think we might have more spontaneous than secure here. And the secure ones are just super conservative and like, we're just keeping, we're just keeping this real, right? Well, the interesting time occurs when security marries spontaneity. Because you know what it's like to plan when security plans a date day and there's time and there's effort and there's planning and thought process that goes into a great, great date day. And then spontaneity wakes up in the morning and decides, oh no, I want to go on some other adventure today. I just can't handle it, guys. I plan a great day out in the city and having lunch and shopping and Steve wakes up and decides, no, I'm going to go to the beach today. 
It takes me such a long time, you know, to get my like head around it and to change my thinking because it wasn't on my list, guys. It wasn't on the list. It wasn't in the schedule. It wasn't in the plan to go to the beach. It was supposed to be something else. Any planners out there with me on this one? You know, for people who like to have their lives planned, the unexpected can really throw them, can't it? But then there are some seasons where actually it doesn't matter whether you are spontaneity or security, it just throws us all. There are certain things like, hello, 2020, that are just not on the list, right? I mean, lockdown wasn't on the list. And I'm not sure about you, but I'm going to tell you now, homeschooling, that wasn't on my list. No, it wasn't on my list. In fact, I'm not going to put it back on either. Some things just aren't on the list, are they? We're not planned for, we're not prepared for. Perhaps for you, a job loss wasn't on the list. A change in your career, whether it be positive, even a promotion could be not on your list and throw you a little bit. Uh, Moving cities or losing a loved one, being separated from family, not on the list. Financial difficulty or trouble, the cancellation of something really significant in your life, it's just not on the list. A change, a challenge, a sickness, a breakdown, Many things can come to us that are not part of the plan. And yet, here we are at the end of 2020, having navigated a whole bunch of stuff that we just simply didn't plan for. And so the message that I have got for you today, which I just really believe is something that God wants to speak to us, I've titled it this, I've titled it, How God Prepares You for What You Didn't Plan For. How God prepares you for what you didn't plan for. And we're going to look at the story of Esther in the Bible because I believe she found herself in a situation that while God prepared her for it, that she didn't plan for. See, Esther was a Jew. And we really need to remember that little piece of information. She was a Jew and she was living under the custody of her cousin Mordecai. And Mordecai was one of the people who had been exiled out of Jerusalem. So they were Jews living in a foreign land. The other thing we know about Esther is that she was very beautiful. And she won a beauty pageant of sorts, we could call it that, I suppose, where she um, was able, she won the favor of the king. He fell absolutely head over heels in love with Esther. And she became the queen. I'm sure she didn't plan for that. Uh, She became the queen all the while. She, she, content, she kept her ethnicity, the fact that she was a Jew, she kept it a secret from the king. He didn't know her family background. Her cousin and custodian Mordecai won the favor of the king through an act that he did that actually saved the king's life. So the king was like, Mordecai is the man. I like this guy. But there was another guy in our story and he went by the name of Haman. And Haman was one of the highest ranks. He was the highest ranked official in the king's order. But he was also a very bad man. He was not a nice man. And Haman began to dislike Mordecai because Mordecai refused to bow down to him. And this must have hurt Haman's pride a whole lot because Haman decided that Mordecai didn't just need to be punished, but he needed to destroy the entire Jewish people living in the land at the time. Like talk about overreaction, right? Uh, So he went to the king with this plan. He convinced the king that it wasn't in his best interest to have a group, a whole group of people a whole line of people who were not under that, that, who had their own laws and had their own ways of living. He was like, you can't have that. You need to destroy them all. And the king 
unfortunately, followed the advice of Haman, and so he gave Haman his signet ring, which signaled that he was handing over his authority to him. He was saying, you can put your stamp of approval on a decree that destroys every Jew living in this land. Whoa, like that wasn't good news for the Jews, and it definitely wasn't good news for Esther. So on hearing the news, remember Esther's cousin Mordecai? He sends word to Esther in the palace. He says, Esther, you have to use your position to beg for mercy. You have to use your place in the palace to save us all. You've got to do this. Remember though, that this entire time, the king doesn't know that Esther is a Jew too. He has no idea that the decree that he has just put his stamp on is about to not just destroy a whole people group, but it's also about to destroy the wife that he loves. But there's another reason why Esther needs to be nervous about this little request coming from Mordecai. And we learn about that in Esther 4, chapter 11. When she sends this message back to him and she says, All the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman. So she's saying even the queen, this law applies to even the queen, who approaches the king in the inner court who has not been summoned, not been summoned or invited. If you go into the king's court and you haven't been invited, here's what happens. The death penalty. Oh, unless the king extends the golden scepter allowing the person to live. I have not been summoned for the last 30 days. She's like, please don't do this to me. This is a huge risk. Mordecai sends this reply. He says, don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at a time like this, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's family will be destroyed. And here's the famous line. Who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther replies to Mordecai, she says, go, assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king if it it is against the law. Listen to what she says. She says, if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded him. I wonder what it would have been like. As Esther stood outside the inner courts, just in the doorway there, before she was about to step into that moment where she knew, if I perish, I perish. I wonder if she stood there in that moment thinking, this wasn't on my list. Like, I didn't plan for this. This wasn't something I expected. Like, it's one thing to be queen unexpected. It's a whole nother thing to have to stand here and approach this. Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. In other words, maybe God has been preparing you for something that you didn't plan for. I want you to know today that even though things may uh, take place to us, around us, in us, and through us that were never on your agenda, that doesn't mean that they were not on God's radar. 
And you may not feel ready for it, but neither does that mean that God hasn't been working behind the scenes to prepare you for what He is going to send you into. Esther 5.1 says, On the third day, Esther dressed in her royal clothing and stood in the inner court of the, pink, of the palace facing it. The king was sitting on his throne in the royal courtroom facing its entrance. As soon as the king saw Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor with him. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand toward Esther and she approached and touched the tip of the scepter. What is it, Queen Esther? The king asked her. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom will be given to you. If it pleases the king, Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to a banquet that I have prepared for them. Esther throws a banquet for the king where she begs him to save her and her people. She reveals not just her identity, but she reveals Haman's evil plan to destroy not only a people group, but the woman he loves and Mordecai, the man who has grown in his favor. So the king learns, his eyes are opened. He sends Haman to the gallows. He hangs him. Uh, and this time, this time, he doesn't just hand over his signet ring but he also hands over to Esther and, her, and Mordecai permission for them to sign his very name. Because when, a, when something, when a new decree is signed by the king's name and sealed with a signet ring, there is no changing that decree. It, that is set in stone and they reverse Haman's evil plan. Esther may not have planned for it, but oh, God certainly prepared her for it. And as we step into 2021, as we leave behind 2020, I have to say to you today, if there's one thing 2020 has taught me, it's that things can come to us that we didn't plan for, but that all the while God has been working behind the scenes preparing you for. I know that's been true in my life this year more than ever before. And there are some things that God did with Esther that I believe he wants to do with you and I, because believe it or not, we are about to enter into a new year. But I believe and declare that the year we are about to step into is going to be a year that brings faith, expectation. We're gonna see God do a rebuild thing, not just in our lives, but also in our church. God is gonna do something powerful through us, but can I let you know, he's gonna begin to prepare you now for what he is about to do in your life. And so there's three things I believe he does. Are you ready? Number one, he calls us to reprioritize. He calls us to reprioritize when change, challenge, or something hard, or even something new, even something new coming into your life, when it comes, there has to be a physical shift that needs to take place. It's a preparation, a moving around of some of the things in your world. And what that does is it actually makes room for God to bring in the very thing that he wants to bring to your life. Esther had to do this. She had to make some physical adjustments in her world to prepare her for the role that she was about to carry. The king declared when he decided he wanted a new wife, he declared that he was gonna have a beauty pageant. I guess that's kind of the most similar thing we could say it, compare it to in our terms today. But this wasn't just like a day or a weekend pageant. No, this wasn't like Miss World. This was a year-long process. Like this was 
out of, this was a real deal. Like they had to do one set of beauty routines for six months and then they changed and they did another set for another six months. There was milks and oils and perfumes and lotions and all sorts of things. Now, some of us might be sitting there thinking, that is amazing. Like, sign me up. And, but most of the time, as I read it, I'm sitting there thinking, this is ridiculous. Like, this is crazy. But what it did was it allowed a physical and practical preparation to actually take place in Esther's life because what needed to happen was a change, a moving out of her old life. Because you can imagine the difference between old life and new life for Esther. You know, Esther, was, she was orphaned. She would have been running the household at an, early, an age earlier than she was supposed to. And then all of a sudden, she needed to prepare herself to be queen. That's quite a difference. And that's quite a preparation process needs to take place. This this physical uh, adjustment that was going on was an uprooting her from her old life, a preparation and a dropping her down into the new life that God had for her as queen. Here's the thing. I believe that you and I live our lives way too close to the edge of the cliff. We live so close to the edge of our capacity, to the edge of our time, our resources, everything we have to give, that if God was to bring something extra, whether it be growth or crisis, most of us would end up hurtling off the side of that cliff because we're living way too close to the edge. We live busy, maxed out. We live under noise and chaos, so much so that even if God wanted to bring something to your life, we would have no room for him to bring it. And so this reprioritizing, it's about teaching us how to step back from the edge. It's about teaching us how to create margin in our life so that if God were to bring great growth to you, there's room for you to move and experience what he's got. And if God was to bring a crisis, something unexpected and out of the blue into your life, you've actually got some margin that you can navigate, give time and attention to. It's not necessarily going to make it any easier, but it means that there's room for you to actually be able to invite God into that space because there's space and allow Him to bring into your life what He needs to bring. And that might mean for you that you put something down that you've been carrying for a long time. It might mean that you begin to say no to things you've been previously saying yes to. It might mean that a season in your life that you have been in for many years, actually, it needs to come to an end now. And it also might mean that there's some physical or practical changes that you need to make to how you live your life. You might need to change your schedule. You might need to change how you run your calendar. You might need to change something about your fitness regime or your health regime or your sleeping habits. Hello, that's a good one right there. It's a process of reprioritizing so that we can make room for what it is that God wants to do in us. Number two, the second thing he calls us to is a repositioning. He wants to reposition some things in your life. God knew the plan and the call and the destiny that was on Esther's life. And let me tell you, it wasn't to be a queen. That was not what God had called Esther to. It was to save her people. God had called Esther to an even greater destiny. And what we see in the story of Esther 
is that he positioned her as queen because it was going to be the, of benefit to the plan and the destiny. And in that position of queen, he not only placed her in the right place, but more importantly, he placed her around the right people and he placed the right people around her. And as we read the story of Esther, we see that God strategically is moving people in and out of her life. He moves Mordecai in to be her advisor. Mordecai begins, gets moved into a place of favor with the king. Esther gets moved into the position of being right there in the king's closest circle. And then he moves Haman out, although quite violently, moves him out of being inf- under the influence of the king from being influenced out from under Haman. There are going to be people in your life that God wants to strategically place in your world for the season that you need it. But there's also gonna be people in your life that God actually wants to remove from your world for the season that you need it. I've learned over this last year that many of the prayers that I pray are actually answered in the people that are around me. I can think of numerous times in my life where people have ended, entered into my world almost as a direct response to a prayer that I've prayed. It's like I prayed and then God dispatched them, popped them in a box, taped it up, wrote my address on it and dispatched that person directly to me at just the right time that I needed it. I'm sure you can think of people in your life like that. And then there have been times and seasons in my life where I can think of moments where God has actually removed some people. He's shifted some people out from where I have, from, from having influence in my life. Perhaps it's just that there's something unhealthy about the relationship, or maybe it's just that for the season I'm about to step into, they're just not the right people to have in my world. And so God has graciously opened a door for them to move on. It seems amazing to me that God not only prepares me for the season I'm in, but he also prepares those around me. He does a work. He prepares all the people that are in my work. Because have you noticed? Have you stopped to notice that so often when you are journeying something, there are people who happen to pop up in your world who have journeyed the exact same thing, only by God's grace, they've journeyed it just a little bit ahead of you. And so you are there, you're there close to glean from and learn from and help you with your healing and your processing along the way. I cannot emphasize how important this step in the process is because I guarantee you that when it comes down the track, when life happens, when the unexpected takes place, That is the moment we're gonna look around and we're gonna ask who's with me? Who's with me on this journey? It's about a repositioning as part of the preparation process. The third and final thing that I think God does in us as he prepares us for the things we haven't planned for is a resurfacing. There's a resurfacing that takes place. In the lead up to the moment that would change everything for Esther, there was something that that surfaced in her that could have become a trap and derailed her from her destiny. We see it come out in Esther 4 verse 4, where it tells us that she was overcome with fear. She was overcome with fear. 
It was a resurfacing of something that could have stopped her from stepping into all that God had for her. And so what I love Esther does is she calls, not just for herself, but to those around her, hello, the the positioning, she calls those around her, close to her, to three days of prayer and fasting. And I have no doubt in my mind that even though it's not written in black and white there, that in that prayer and fasting, she wasn't just begging God for the salvation of her people. No, she was begging God to relieve her of her fear. She was, I, I think she would have been on her knees, desperate, that God, help me deal with this fear so I can step into all that you have for me. Lord, give me courage in this moment. In fact, God will often use an opportunity in your life to resurface something that needs to be dealt with before he can bring us what it is that he is calling us to, the even bigger season that is coming your way. We actually see this as a pattern in scripture many times over, where God does a work in someone's heart that grows them in order for them to be able to carry the next thing he's got for them. We see it with David, a shepherd boy who kills a lion and a bear. That's just a precursor to him killing Goliath, which is the very thing that sets the stage for him to be known by people and by the king. We see it with in, in, in our first kings with a widow and Elijah, where Elijah goes to the widow and says, bake me some bread. She says, I've only got one jar of oil and flour. I've only got enough to break one loaf. Me and my son were gonna eat that and then we were gonna die. She's real positive, this lady. And he says, bake it anyway and give it to me. And he, say, he promises her that the oil will not run out. So just by faith, she begins to bake. The oil does not run out. That little exercise of faith was not actually about the bread and the oil. It was about building faith in her that she needed in the very next chapter when her son dies and needs to be raised back to life. See, God is doing something in you, but it's actually a process of growing your faith because he knows that in time, you are gonna need greater faith than you've got right now for an even bigger miracle he's gonna bring to you. In Joseph, we see it time and time again. There's a testing of his faith as he goes through waiting season after waiting season. He gets imprisoned and he gets sold as a slave and he's a servant. And time and time again, the dream looks like it's been slipping away. But it's simply God's process of resurfacing anything in his life that needs to be dealt with. See, what God is doing is growing in him the kind of leadership that says, God, it's not about me, it's about you in me, working in me. God does all of this as an act of grace to teach us dependency on him because he needs us to know in the big thing that's coming, in the season that's coming, he needs us to know that it's him or it's nothing, that I can do nothing without you, Lord. He needs us to be in a place where he's gonna resurface some things in you and he's gonna use an, an, a situation or an opportunity in your life to resurface some of the things that he wants to deal with so that he can resurface and deal with some of the baggage and deal with the pride and deal with the self-dependency and deal with the mindsets and the attitudes and the old hurts and the trauma. Because if they're left, they have the power to become a barrier between you and the destiny that God has for you. And I ask you today, what is it that God wants to resurface and deal with in your life in order that he might grow in you what you need to carry the next thing he's gonna bring to you? Just as the band come and join me now. Because God, you, because you may not have planned for it, but God is certainly preparing you for it. I want to tell you a, a more personal story now. I 
Steve and I went to a conference uh, mid last year, so 2019, before 2020, remember that? Uh, mid last year, went to a conference. This is a conference we go to every year, except 2020. Uh, we go to this conference every year. It's usually one of the highlights of our year. And I always find that God speaks to me there, either through the worship or through a speaker, but nothing, nothing like he spoke to me in 2019 that year. And when I say speak to me, I mean that there was just, it wasn't audible. It was just like a knowing. I knew, I knew. this was too smart for me. It wasn't me. It was definitely God I could hear. It was, it was like a, a, all of a sudden there was a sense of awareness and urgency of what I knew God needed, what I knew I needed to do. And as I'm standing there, I'm standing in the worship. I was just minding my own business, you know. And all of a sudden, I just got this real sense God was saying to me this. He said, Bex, I need you to hand over the woman's ministry, which I was leading at the time. And I need you to hand it over at this date to this person. And I need you to do it because next year, there's something coming and it's big. I was like, oh, goodness. And then as I left the conference, one of the other pastors that was there came to me. She gave me a hug. And she said, Bex, you're about to go on sabbatical. So a three-month leave. She said, but I want you to know that this sabbatical is not about resting from what's been. It's a preparation for what's coming because what's coming is big. Oh, (laughs) way to terrify a girl. Guys, that was five months before Steve was asked to be the senior pastor over all eight now of our campuses. It was seven months prior to him developing a sickness in his ear that would completely turn our world upside down. It was eight months prior to the world going into lockdown. And it was just over a year prior to me being asked to take over the leadership of this campus. I'm just wondering if I should still be looking over my shoulder, waiting for the big thing that's coming. We didn't ask for any of it and we didn't plan for it. But I can stand here now and I can look back over the last 18 months at the reprioritizing, the repositioning and the resurfacing that God has been doing in my life and see that there is always a strategic preparation that takes place in the seasons we aren't expecting. And I want to say to you today, I wanna encourage you not to miss or resist the preparation process God wants to do in your life. And I wanna encourage you to lean into it. Lean into what He wants to do in you because He has got seasons coming that while we may not be expecting, if we'll allow Him, He'll prepare us to carry them well. For some, it's about reprioritizing and putting something down so that you can pick something else up. For some, it's that you know that God is speaking to you about repositioning. And for others, you know that God is doing something in you that's actually gonna resurface some stuff. And instead of squashing it back down, you need to deal with it. We need to deal with it so that it doesn't become a barrier between you and destiny. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you've chosen each and every one of us. You have called us by name. You've got a plan and a purpose for our lives. And I thank you for the destiny that you've placed in every single person for the promise that you've given them. And right now, Lord, we thank you that you actually prepare us for the seasons we didn't plan for. And Lord, I pray that as we step into a new year, 
God, would you open our eyes to some of the reprioritizing that needs to take place? Lord, would you help us to reposition and would you send the right people? Would you open the door for people to be repositioned elsewhere if that's what needs to take place? And God, would you give us wisdom and grace as we walk the journey of resurfacing and dealing with, resurfacing and dealing with, resurfacing and dealing with. Lord, it's not about us, it's about you. And God, we thank you that in all of this process, God, you're simply growing us, that we might be used to glorify your name. I'd love to pray another prayer. And I wanna speak directly to those people either in the room or you're watching online today. And maybe it's your first time here at church and you're visiting with us. Perhaps you're watching for the very first time online or maybe you've been watching or coming for a little while, but you've never made a decision to ask Jesus to come and be your Lord. Well, this is your moment right now. I wanna speak directly to you. See, God loves you. He created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. And his greatest desire is that he is able to walk this life with you in relationship with you because that plan and purpose is something you never imagined it to be. But the truth is, is that we all fall short, the Bible says. We all sin, we all mess up. We all go our own way and walk our own path, often away from God. And that separates us from him. But in His love and mercy and grace, He wanted nothing more than to be in relationship with with us. In fact, He wanted it so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to live a sinless life and die a sinner's death in order to pay the debt that you and I would do for our sin. And He paid it all on that cross. And today I wanna lead you in a prayer. I wanna lead you in a prayer that would invite Jesus to come and be the Lord of your life. And if you wanna pray that prayer today, All I wanna do is invite you to pray it along in your heart. I'll pray it out loud. You pray it in your heart and just make it your own prayer. Are you ready? Let's pray. God, I thank you for sending your son for me. Thank you that you forgive me today of all the wrong in my life. I choose this day to turn from my old ways and turn to you. I give my life over to you now And I thank you that in you, I have new life, a hope for my future and an eternity with you. I give my life to you now in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, I'd love to encourage you to don't make praying that prayer be the only step you take. We're so proud of you. We think that is the best decision that you could ever, ever make. And we wanna be able to acknowledge that you made that decision. If you're watching online, there's a button that says, I raise my hand, love for you to push that button. If you're in the room today, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm just gonna count to three. And on the count of three, I'm gonna ask that you lift your hand nice and high so I can see it. I'll acknowledge it. And then you can pop it straight back down. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. One, two, three. Three, hands going up in the auditorium, online, you can push that button. Awesome, I see you. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, I can see you over here. Anybody else? Awesome. Yes, thank you. I see you. Awesome, I can see you down there. Anybody else? You're saying, Bex, count me in. I prayed that prayer. Maybe for the first time, maybe coming back to God for the first time in a long time. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome, I can see you online. Two people online. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. 
God, I thank You for every life that's been turned around for You today. I thank You for the new hope that You've put in them, the plans and the purposes that are on their life. And right now, we celebrate as all of heaven has a party. Come on, church. Would you give God some praise? Isn't He good? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.